So Father, I just thank you for your word this morning. I pray even right now, Lord God, that I'd be a vessel in your hands, that you would sharpen the sword of my tongue, Lord God, that it would be effective, Lord God, that it wouldn't waffle, Lord, wouldn't waste our time, but that it would be effective, Lord God, that it would go forth, penetrate every one of our hearts, and it would be cut to the heart. Because, Lord God, we give you our hearts this morning. We ask that you would have your way in our hearts. Let your kingdom come and your will be done in our hearts, we pray this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to read a quick scripture in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17. If you've got your Bibles, be good to just turn there. If you've got your iPads or your iPhones, then just scroll there or find your Bible app. It's good to read the Word. doesn't matter what device or anything it's on, as long as you can read it. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. That is a scary scripture in the Bible. And uh, sometimes my heart is challenged by it. And I just want to kind of start off this morning, before I launch off, just to say this, that there are obviously a number of reasons why we gather as a church, but one of the major reasons, one of the important reasons why we gather as the people of God, as the church of God, is to protect our hearts. Something that's been forgotten by the people of God, it's to protect our hearts. Because you see, the truth is, friends, every single one of you had a choice this morning. Every single one of you could have gone onto your uh, computers or your iPads or even your iPhone or whatever, and you could have found on YouTube or somewhere a far greater sermon than you're going to hear this morning. Because there are phenomenal teachers and preachers and men who are, are declaring the Word of God out there. Phenomenal. So you could have listened to a phenomenal sermon this morning. You also could go to anywhere in the world and listen to the most phenomenal praise and worship. It, it would have to go far to beat ours, but um, you can listen to the great, I mean, you can listen to Bethel, you can, you can listen to Hillsong, you can listen to anybody this morning. You, could, you can pack yourself and have your own little ch church meeting or, uh, that would rival anything else you could ever do, but you will not have gathered with the people of God and you will not have protected your heart. See, we gather together as the people of God to protect our heart. How many know the body was, the heart is put inside the body? How many know there's a rib cage? How many know that the heart functions with all the other elements around it? The heart doesn't operate alone. Now, I want to encourage you because when you study the word and some of the theologians or the word people or the religious people uh, will already be... Um, uh, running in their minds a little bit and going, but ah, I got a new heart and I'm born again. Your heart's made up of your spirit and your soul. And the reality is your soul, your spirit man is complete and he's perfect, but your, your, your soul needs still some sanctification. It needs a process. Romans chapter 12, you can go read it, verses 1 and 2. 
Um, the end of the day, what we're trying to do is we're trying to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So we're born again, we're saved, but this mind actually was thinking, operating, understanding things in a whole different way, and I'm shifting it and changing it to come into line so that my heart and soul become one. I've shared this a number of times, but the bottom line for me is that when we were first born again, we were always three parts, but our heart and our soul was one. Until Adam and Eve sinned, they were, it was one. And it ruled over our body, and our body just took the orders from the heart and soul as one. But as we, uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, then our heart, uh, the spirit and soul, they separated. And the soul began to fight against the heart, and the heart died. This is the Gospel 101. And you have to be made alive through Jesus Christ. You get born again. You're completely new now as a born-again believer. And then you have to renew this understanding, your soul, being your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect. has to be renewed so then come into line with this born-again spirit, this born-again life, so that I can be all that God's called me to be. So we want to teach on Colossians. I want to go into Colossians. But I just feel like there's a small little journey that we're having to take as a congregation, as a group of people, to understand about our heart. So what we've been talking about over the last little while um, the last three weeks, Graham spoke last week. I think I spoke the week before. Connor spoke the week before. The last couple of weeks, it's been all about matters of the heart. Because God's giving us a sailor moment, a moment just to understand and to have a look and to check out the matters of the heart. The matters of the heart are very, very important. The reason why behind your life is very, very important, church. Very, very important. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In fact, if you start off here, the aim of our charge is love. There's the goal. There's the purpose. It's all right there, boom, showing us every single uh, week that the aim is love, and He is love. So the aim is to become like Him, to be Him, uh, to, to be demonstrated, to, to, to move in the love of God. But we have to understand that there is this process where our thinking is not quite the same as the understanding of the gospel and what God, how God thinks and how God understands, and so there has to be that that um, change of thinking so that we don't just try and bring the old into the new or the new into the old, but that we're actually transformed, right? Transformed. Transformation is actually what we're all about. And the whole aim is love. So we want to be transformed into His marvelous light. We want to step out of where we were in our thinking. That's why people go like, um, they will say things like this. They will say, um, but God gave us feelings. Yes, God gave us feelings, but not the feelings you have. See, when you go and get into the presence of the Lord, you'll experience many feelings. But the feelings that we experience and that we go through is through a wrong understanding, a wrong thinking, a wrong value system, a wrong mind. Let me ask you this simple question this morning. If you and your wife or your wife or you and your husband would ever disagree on something, why do you get upset? Why when there's disagreement should there be, why should you get upset? See, it's a wrong feeling. You can disagree. It's not the disagreement. It's the thinking and the mindset that we've got that causes us to get upset when we disagree. 
So the, the journey here is uh, what I wanted to encourage the church is, is, is it's matters of the heart. I had someone was chatting to me the other day too and they said something like this, and please, you know my heart. And for those that have been here long enough, no, I don't, for me, I don't see any point being CIA. I have no idea why you want to be, I, I'd rather be straight. The reality is they were sharing with me and they were saying, is the church battling financially because you seem to be talking a lot about money? No, the church is having a sailor moment about matters of the heart and matters of the heart are about money. Because I didn't say that, Jesus said that. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So if money does come up, friends, if you find yourself getting upset about money, then you need to analyze the matter of the heart, that's all. You will notice that I've never commanded or asked anybody to do anything. In fact, all I did is read the word even this morning. All I'm saying is a matter of the heart. And I want to make sure that if you have to stand before the Lord today or tomorrow or the next day or whatever, that you stand before Him having been taught the whole truth, the full counsel of God, that your heart, that I told you, check your heart. Just make sure that your heart is pure before the Lord. Because the aim of the charge is love that issues from a pure heart. And friends, that's not sinless, I don't do anything heart. That's a pure heart. Maybe we need to unpack a little bit what that actually means. Because you know the pure in heart, Matthew 5, will see God. That's another preach. So what I want to encourage us with, with matters of the heart, as we're talking about matters of the heart this morning, is to understand all that was happening here is that he has become our great reward. He is our heart. So when we get born again, he gives me a new heart, and now I have to bring, get a revelation understanding in my mind and my thinking, my value system, to be able to live and express and allow that heart to fully uh, flow to every single part of my body and to function in the fullness and the way God called us to. You see, otherwise, the scriptures that I, I don't even know if I'll get to this morning, but the scriptures that we, we read about just go over our heads. We never live in them. We go, I don't really want to hear about that. It's like the scriptures that I read. I read the scripture this morning from 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 9, and we go, oh, I don't, it's a woo. I don't want to, I don't want to hear that. All sufficiency in all things, and I've got everything. It's a matter of the heart, friends. What we've got to understand is that the enemy would love us to stay with the wrong thinking. So with God's spirit with the wrong thinking. So we're Christians, but we've got wrong thinking, so we can't express or live in the fullness that God's called us to. Because there's such beautiful scriptures here that talk about us being able to live in the fullness of Christ. What does that mean? See, God, we're in these in times now where God wants us to live and walk in His fullness, in who He is. In order to do that, we've got to check the matters of the heart because God's not in competition. He's, not gonna, uh, he's a jealous God. He's master. He wants to be Lord. He's not going to compete. You give him full reign. You surrender fully. You get a full understanding of what he's called you to. Your, heart, your spirit and your soul come into line together, and then the full expression of Christ can come through our lives. And that's Colossians. When we get to Colossians, it's the preeminence of Christ. You understand that we've been clothed with Christ, that he lives inside of us. Christ lives inside of us. 
So it's easy to sing songs. He holds the stars in his hands. But to have an understanding that Christ is living inside of me, the guy that holds the stars, the guy that made everything, that's now inside of me, it's not so easy. So I want to push it away. I want to try and go, oh, um, don't really, this, let me find something or get a reason why I can't live like that. And God's saying, no, it's time. See, God does not want to give you what you deserve. He wants to give you what he paid for. You see, what religion can do very quickly, and it is part of it, but religion does very quickly is, oh yeah, I was a sinner, I was, um, um, you know, messed up, away from God, whatever, and he didn't give me what I deserved, mercy and grace, uh, I, you know, I got born again. No, God doesn't want to give you what you deserve, what he's meaning, the full meaning of that, that's part of it. The, the full meaning of that is that he wants to give you what he paid for, which is a complete whole being that's full of the power and authority and presence of God that will move a mountain. Not what you might be trying to achieve or do or deserve by doing this whole bunch of stuff and praying and seeking his face and doing a whole bunch of stuff because you are trying to achieve something. He's paid for something. What he wants to give you is not what you deserve. He wants to give you what he's paid for. So we have to go to the word and look what he paid for rather than what we deserve, even if we're doing a whole bunch of stuff. See, and this comes down to, friends, it comes down to matters of the heart because it comes down to relationship. It comes down to encounters and moments with God. It's coming down to the nuts and bolts of the whole thing, which is simply this, the church has got to spend more time with this than with this. But you see, we churches are built and grow around this. So the pressure is on to do this when we are spending very little time with this. You kind of want to go, this shouldn't really happen without this. So I want to ask you a simple question. We can do this. So we can organize a robot evangelistic thrust and we can go there and drop things into people's windows, whatever, and spill coffee on them and do all kinds of stuff and grab people and share the gospel. And wow, we did something, whatever, it gave me goosebumps. I feel that's really good. That is, oh, I want to belong to that church. It's really nice. Or we can go as a church and gather before the Lord and just spend time with Him and make our lives that. You see, ask yourself this simple question. When you got born again, you had a testimony before you were born again. When you got born again, what's your testimony like since you got born again? Because I don't go into your workplace, I don't go into the environments, I don't go into the schools, I don't go into those places where you go. And what are those people seeing? When you go in there, are you different to whatever you were before? Are you different even to those around you that do not know Jesus? And that's the hard part, honestly, one of the tough parts of being in ministry or, 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 or having to be involved paid ministry, to, to be surrounded a lot of the time by believers. So sometimes it's really nice to go onto the, the land and just 
let some unbelievers come up and, and it just stirs up your heart and you kind of go feel good. But every single one of us, friends, are we going to work for a job, for a career sake, to do, to get the finances, whatever we need for our lives, or are we going to work to shine? Because you see, the Bible is actually all about this gospel, this incredible gospel that God gave into our lives. Not so that our lives can now benefit and be uh, these wonderful, amazing lives where we get everything answered and done and what have you, and it's all great, but it's actually meant to be so that we can walk and live and have our being in Christ and be the demonstration and be His body. That's the gospel. So when you read the gospel, you understand that Jesus Christ came into our lives so that we could be transformed and changed to demonstrate and be who we were always called to be. Amen. So that we can actually just live out who He is. Friends, Christianity is not about our best life now. But that's what people do when they get saved. They promise him everything. Don't worry, all your troubles will go away. You're gonna get all sorted out, whatever. And that. God's gonna take care of you. I promise you, you're gonna get the promotion that you, you wouldn't have got if you hadn't got with Jesus now. You're gonna get advanced, whatever. You're gonna be blessed, whatever. Your, your, your lifestyle will increase. Your, your standard of living will increase. You'll get blessed. It'll be fantastic, whatever. And, that. and then you can shine and demonstrate how good God is. When I have a look at those things, that's called the American dream. See, this is another dream. This dream actually says to me, Jesus is my great reward. And when I get born again, I get to encounter him on a daily basis. I get to love him on a daily basis. I get to have a transformed life. I begin to reflect who he is. Every moment of my life. And as I journey with that, that's the calling, that's the purpose that I'm called to, to demonstrate and be who he's called me to be. And as I'm doing that, God is blessing me. And there's not a, 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 a hierarchy, a competition about who's got more faith or what's happening, whatever, and that because, hey, he's got a big house, I've got a small house, or he got a car, or, and he's got a bigger car, or he's got this or that, whatever. It's, it's just, it's all about Jesus. And for some of us, that might mean the CEO of a company. For others, this might just be a job that might be not, not seem like man would elevate it, but Jesus does. Because he's talking about good and faithful wherever you're at. I need you to be wherever you're at, son or daughter. I need you to be me, demonstrating me. See, we're not doing things for him. See, that's a marriage gone wrong. That's what happens in marriage. You see, we sit there and we say, you know what, I've been doing this, this, and this, and this. I'm doing all this stuff. When is it Jane's turn? When is she going to rise up and do this as well? She needs to do this stuff, you know? I'm doing this, I'm doing that, whatever. I'm not doing it for, for that. See, that's not love. See, do you know, it's revelation, but it's just, just chatter all our thinking is, you cannot love unless you have Jesus. So you might have great friends. I'll tell you right now, I'll say it very clearly on the thing. You can send it out as far as wide, wherever you want to go. You can have all the love that you think you have. If you do not know Jesus Christ, it is not love. 
So you can, you can know great friends. One of, oh, you should, oh, no, this great couple and these friends, they don't know Jesus, but oh, they know how to love. No, they don't. Because he's love. It might smell like love, it might, it might even look like love to you, but it's not love. It's a very selfish love, which is not a love at all. See, that, that's not Grant speaking, that's the Bible, friends. See, I've got to know truth, and the truth sets me free. And that knowing, friends, is Adam knowing Eve. It's one thing for me to tell you I read a book, and I'll tell you how you can have Cain and Abel. It's another thing to actually have Cain and Abel. Now, if you ask me, I'll tell you, I know how to do that. See, and when you know truth, it sets you free. There's such a freedom in knowing truth. Friends, the problem, the challenge with the church today is they get to know truth. It sets them free, and then they think it's all great now. We can just carry on. No problem. As if the enemy just goes, oh, that's great. He knows truth now. Shame. Whoops. Can't touch him. But he will continue to speak lies. Just because Jesus said, get you behind me, Satan, didn't mean he shut up. Just because Jesus conquered the enemy and the devil in the, in the wilderness, the Bible says that he left, but he came until he could come back to another opportune time. So the enemy wants to come opportune time to come talk. Well, all he can talk is lies, which will attack truth. So how do we stay in, stay in truth? You've got to focus and, and meditate on truth. And we come and we encounter and we with truth, Jesus. So this thing isn't about knowledge, it's about me encountering, it's about me knowing truth. That's setting me free and keeping me free. So I'm on this journey, it's not you won't believe it, 1974, oh I had such an encounter with Jesus. He came and sat in my room and he told me some amazing things. Since then I've just been reading the word and just relaxing because it was so powerful. Friends, that will sustain you for a while but it will not keep you in truth. What keeps you in truth is surrendered to truth, focused on truth, encountering truth with truth, living truth. See, the key thing that God wants to establish is your motive, where you're living from, the reason for being, why you wake up in the morning, the why behind your, my life. That's the key thing. He's trying to win us over to get understanding. See, if that's right, everything else falls into play. Why am I doing a whole bunch of stuff? I'm trying to achieve something. I'm trying to get something. I'm trying to fix something. When actually I am something. You see, there's two ways you can do this, church. Connor can come to me and he can share something, whatever, and I can get offended. Connor doesn't know that I'm offended, but now I'm really ticked off and offended. And I can go back to the Lord and I can say, God, it's me again, I messed up. I got offended, and uh, it's that same thing again. It's that thing in my life that I've had all along. You know, it came from when I was six years old, when I fell off out my cot. And, um, and it's just, I think I need a sozo. I think I need to get delivered, set free again. And, and it's just me, and I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I think I need to read, maybe spend more time, read the Word. And I don't know, it's going to be a journey. And, and you know what, I'm feeling so bad now, I'm going to phone Damien. 
hey, Damien, and just say, hey, buddy, I messed up, eh? you know, shoof, I just got so offended, you know, it's Connor again. <laughs> he's, he's done this and, and whatever, and Damien goes, oh, shame, man. Uh, that's really, uh, it's tough, buddy, um, but don't you worry, you're a good guy, um, you know, we, we'll work this thing through, and why don't you quote these seven scriptures, um, and then as you just meditate on that word, whatever, you begin to feel better, and, and, and you'll be fine. Sounds funny. Sounds like the church. But how about I get offended, I come back, and I say to the Lord, thank you, Jesus, that you don't hold anything against me for the things that I do, and I'm, who am I to hold anything against anyone else? And I thank you that I am a free person. I've got free in Christ. I thank you for the love that I have. I thank you that I'm not denying that I got offended, but I'm not letting the sin in my life dictate who I am. I'm beginning to live and breathe who I am in God for who He designed me to be. See, I'm dealing with the same thing, but I'm not dealing with it the same way. Yeah. And when we deal with it the same way, what happens is people then begin to speak over their lives. Remembering us, we, we, hopefully as a church, we got this so clear, that Adam and Eve, friends, when they sinned, friends, they lost their identity completely. They had no idea of who they were. They were running around. After that, identity came in life. You developed your identity through your life, whatever you journeyed. And when you had this identity, that was who you are. Now you get born again, friends, and you've got a completely new identity. We still want to lean back on those other things. We still want to say, but you don't understand what happened to me when I was six years old. You don't understand that I had an alcoholic father, that I had an, a, 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 a mom who abused me, or I had a this or that or whatever in your life. No, but that's not who you are. And you can't let those voices speak into you. You've got to at some stage step out of darkness into his marvelous light and begin to be his light. And when you be his light, it's not about the journey. It's about what he has done and his journey. That's why it's about his story, not your story. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you gave up your story. When you stand before Jesus one day, he's not going to say, so tell me your story. He's going to say, so how did you contribute to my story? Well, I got, you know, I really did well. I went to varsity and I got a good job and I bought a nice house. Yes. And, um, and I, you know, nice car, whatever and that, and managed to, uh, you know, have a few kids and do this and that. Yes. And um, I was just incredible what, what happened. I mean, I just, uh, you know, I started three businesses. I did all this, whatever. And he goes, uh, Gabriel. <laughs> just, Gabriel comes. Sorry, the master wants to know, did you not understand the question? <laughs> uh, I was asking how you contributed to his story. Oh, sure, uh, I tithed. Uh, no, that's just giving me back what was already mine anyway. So that's not a contribution. That's just returning back. Right? Move off that topic. You can see. <laughs> okay. So, Jesus loves us and... <laughs> Friends, 
Philippians 1.27, let your manner of life, Colossians 1.10, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Ephesians 4.1, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. It doesn't say talk in a manner. It says walk in a manner. So is walk the walk important? See, the problem is when we start to talk about the walk, everybody gets a little nervous and if you'll go like, oh, it's very hard now because there's legalism and there's works and we don't want to get onto the legalism and works. But so somehow we need to understand that the walk, our walk is vital. Our relationship with him is vital, but it mustn't bring about legalism or works. And the way that happens, friends, is for you and I to actually simply read the word and believe the word. When he tells us who we are and our new identity, friends, it's to believe that, to allow him to constantly work in it. You don't have to go back and do a whole bunch of processes and a whole bunch of things. You have to believe it. You have to live in it. You've got to let your yes in God, your yes in your heart be bigger than the sin. Because the sin is not your identity. Page one. So it's not just walking the streets, doing this stuff, getting a word of knowledge. Living, it's living in the character of Christ, staying consistent from beginning to end, walking in the light as he is in the light. Having your motives pure because the pure in heart see God. See, the gospel wants to change why we are alive. We're given one life. The Bible says it's like a vapor. I was six years old and suddenly I was 16 years old and suddenly I was 25. Suddenly I was 37. Suddenly I'm 54. It's gone. 54 years. It's like a vapor. He wants us to change our lives. So when Christ uses the scriptures, we will get to Ephesians and Colossians are so similar, but this morning we won't be able to get to them all. But just simply when Christ comes into our lives, he says something. He says, put off and put on. In that whole equation, how many of you can see how the old and the new morphs and works together? He says, put off and put on. We've got to understand what we're putting off and we've got to understand what we're putting on, right? And then we're putting on, we're putting on Christ. He becomes alive and living inside of me. Woo. Now when I understand who Christ is, who I am, when those two, when those two come together, then the preeminence of Christ can now move in my life. That means when I speak, he speaks. That's any obstacle, anything in my way, it's like Christ is speaking to it. See, you've got to believe that, not just it's a nice thing, just it's, it's, it's knowledge. Now, I haven't even really got time to go into this morning that we are not saved by our works, but we will be judged by our works. 
Why will we be judged by our works? What you have really believed, what you have really seen, what you have really become will be seen in the way a person lived their lives. I'll say that again. What we have really believed, what we have really seen, and what we have really become will be seen in the way a person lived their lives. See, you're, you're, you're not saved by works, but you are judged by your works. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. See, a life lived reveals the faith you live by. Your life can't lie. See, that's why liars won't enter the kingdom of God. I shared about that. That's why a liar won't enter the kingdom of God, because your life doesn't lie. When we stand before Jesus one day, it will be exposed. You won't be able to sneak in. You can't hide your life from Jesus. That scripture is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. We'll all stand before him one day and be judged for our works. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Jesus will bring to light the hidden things, disclose the purposes of the heart when he comes to judge. And then we will all get our commendation from God. See, the way a man conducts his life. I'm landing. The goal is... To know him. That's the goal. We can come and we can sit in church, we can listen to all of this, we can let it just go over our heads, we can get upset, we can get all, you know, irritated and confronted. Church, let me just say this one little thing to you. The reason why I lead this church, the reason why I'm the pastor over this church is because you have blessed me to have the ability to study the word of God for hours. Um. So all I'm asking, simply put, is before you, your mind brings and elevates a thought up against what I'm saying, please spend hours in the Word and find out what God is saying. Because we value our opinion so quickly. It's like, oh, no, it doesn't say that. I don't believe that, whatever. Well, have you spent hours in the Word? Have you spent studying the Word? Because before you raise your opinion above everything else, because the Bible says you're going to pull down vain imaginations and lofty thoughts. I have the privilege you give me the privilege to actually study the word. So when I share it, I've spent hours. I didn't come to this revelation lightly and I don't expect you to come to it lightly either. So I don't expect you to just listen to what I'm saying and just take it. I expect you to go and study the word. Amen. That was too strong. I apologize, but I don't apologize for the word. You see, without those intimacy or relationship moments, we just have tons of knowledge about God. And if we don't have that relationship and, and the walk, then in time what happens, that knowledge will turn on you and bite your bum. In time, all your knowledge will challenge where your life really is. And you'll begin to get judged and come under condemnation and get depressed. Friends, this thing is about a walk and a journey in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you take that out of your and I's life, all we have is a huge mountain of knowledge. And most people, you have been born again quite a while. You've got a serious mountain of knowledge. That mountain of knowledge is going to bite you in the bum. Because it's going to come back at you and it's going to judge you. And you're going to feel condemned and judged because of where your life really is. And, and simply when I was praying this, I felt the Lord say three things. 
there's three courses of action that the people of God do. One, they justify why they are like they are, and they build a gospel and a theology around it. Oh, but you don't know, you don't know, you don't know who I am. God accepts me just as I am. Yes, He does when you get born again. But 17 years later, not so accepting. I can just hear. The cows are running in the field at the moment, all over the place. Justify. So first of all, we justify. Or number two, we give up on God. It does not work. We blame God, blame others, blame everyone else except ourselves. And that's also happening at the moment. People are just blaming God, blaming this, blaming that. It's because of this, because of that. This happened in my life. This is all. You don't understand. I do understand. But that's not who you are anymore. So come into the light. Come from the dark side. Or number three, we repent. Turn back to Him and pursue knowing Him in our personal lives. I always want to make sure that my heart is positioned as a yes to Him. That doesn't mean I'm doing everything right, but my heart is open, my heart is yes. When I commune with, you, with Him, it's just thank Him that He's working constantly in my life. Friends, when I fail, I don't come back to God and go, oh, I failed again, whatever, and I go, I thank you, Lord, that I am growing. I thank you that I identified that was a, a mistake. That's growth. In the past, I've just gone, Phew. How many of you, when you got born again, you started whatever you used to, movies, you used to watch movies and someone used to stand up there, oh, Jesus Christ, and you just go, oh, put the TV off. Terrible. Now it's like the guy's going blasphemy. It's like, hey, it's a good movie. They say, check out the action. Oh, there's so much. <laughs> How about, friends, we're a slave to righteousness? How about we've been transformed? How about we've been born again into His marvelous light? How about I don't have any landing strips for anything that's not God? How about I can't have unforgiveness because I don't have a landing strip for it? <laughs> How about I can't get offended because I just don't have a landing strip for it. I'm in love with Jesus. He's in my life. I am love. So I don't, love doesn't, I don't get offended. I don't, it, it's because love doesn't bear things. It's not jealous. It's not envious. It's not resentful. It's not, doesn't keep a record of any wrongs. It's, I get to love. I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to do something to love. I'm just, I'm just being love. I just get to do it. I, I'm in love with Jesus and that's, sorry, that's who I am. I just love Jesus. And uh, there's no landing strip for anything else, so this is my identity. Now, he's my everything, and now he can begin to operate and begin to work through my life. My heart is pure. I begin to see him. How about we have a consistent expression of spirit-filled living? Because your conduct in your life is important. Friends, it doesn't just happen because of your calling or your anointing. It happens because you've been with Jesus. Let's be with Jesus. 
Let's spend our lives. How many of us know here, absolutely, we set time aside and we say, I'm going to go be with Jesus. And we sit down. As we're going to sit down and be with Jesus, oh, did I leave the kettle on? Or let me just quickly make a cup of coffee. When I make a cup of coffee, come back, whatever. I'm sitting there. No, I don't make a cup of coffee. I'll go and get a Coke. No, whatever. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and then I'm just beginning now. Start to read the Word. I'm going to talk and I'm going, you know what? Let me just quickly put a, a load of washing in the, in the, or let me, you know what? That thing needs to be done there. Whatever. And I'm, I want to sit there. Everything wants to stop us from just sitting and spending time with Jesus. Everything. Something happens, phones ring. There's a reason for that, friends. He doesn't mind, the enemy doesn't mind you doing a whole bunch of stuff for God. But encountering and spending time with God, whoo. Because what's the danger for him isn't in externally doing something, it's being something. It's not going to work and going, hey guys, I'm born again, and if you guys don't get born again, you're all sinners and you're going to hell. It's actually going to work. And before, you, I used to go, oh, F-bombs every single place, and now all of a sudden, it's like this happens, and, and I go, oh, wow, okay, well, no worries, whatever, and they go, who's that guy? Who stole Grant, replaced him with some other alien? See, and they start to go, let me begin to watch. You see, it's consistent spiritual living. There's consistency in this. I'm constantly shining and displaying something that's different. It's a spirit-filled life. I'm not living my life by a set of rules. I'm living my life by discernment and led, being led by the Spirit of God. Now, as I'm operating, whatever sphere I'm in, it doesn't matter. I'm just showing the love of God. That's the consistency. That's the Spirit that's leading me, that's causing people to come and go, I, I, there's so many testimonies I could give you. I, I, I played top soccer and the soccer, and I have a very competitive spirit, or did have, and I had a very, and I, and, and, and I was really angry. My parents will tell you, very, very angry. When my brother and I fought, we didn't fight. Oh, you know me, we hit each other. <laughs> my mom had to take a hose one day and hose us to stop us from fighting. I had an incredible anger and a spirit. So when I played soccer and I played top level, whatever, and then I kicked anything that moved, I was an angry soccer player. But that makes a really good soccer player. So everyone's petrified of you and you're just running around, you're tackling and you're doing stuff, whatever, and it's all really good. And, and then if the guy upset me, I mean, even when I got born again, a little while after that, whatever, and then I tackled the guy in the field, whatever, and I just said, ah, F-bomb. And when I encountered him on my bed, and he put his hand on my head, my life changed completely. I sit in the change room and go, hey, Grant, F, F, and F, and F, and I go, yeah, yeah, no, no, relax, they're not so bad. What? Who are you? And it's not one week in the change room, it's week after week after week after week. It's not losing my temper. Some are kicking me and they're going, whoa, here we go. And, um, and I go, hey, unlucky, sorry, man. Hey, you're a bit late there. You know, try and get a bit quicker, buddy. Um, and they're going, something's wrong with this guy. It's a transformed life, friends. That's what Jesus wants. He wants to, and you can't have it without encounters with him. Otherwise, we'll begin to get, all we got is a bunch of knowledge. We don't want a whole bunch of knowledge. You know, most people don't want knowledge. Do you know that? They want a demonstration. 
Most people come, you come to them, whatever, they're not wanting you to give them the ABCs of what they should do. They want you just to love them. They want them, you to show Jesus. Be truth to them. Be truth to them instead of giving them a whole bunch of truth. Amen? So matters of the heart, this sailor moment that we're having as a church is simply we're just, we're just checking our hearts out. And no judgment on anybody, no judgment, no. It's just there's a moment where we've got a, t- a bit of time to say, Lord, have you got my all? Is everything. This, the worship that we had t- this morning is just, it wrecks me because it's just all about that. It's just saying, God, you got my all. Because when we step out and we do what God's called us to do f- as we go forward as a church and also, I believe, worldwide, have you built your house on the rock? Because if it's built on sand, everything else will be sand, friends. If you've built your house around a good salary or the position that you've had, you can talk to some people even sitting here that their, their job just got taken away like that. You can lose your job like that. Sometimes for a kingdom reason, because you stand up for Jesus or because you can build it on investments. Investments can crumble. You can, everything else is sand if it's not Jesus Christ. Amen. But when it's Jesus, we stand strong. We stand, we wonder why everything else, everyone's wobbling, whatever. We come to work happy, smiley, going, oh, oh, don't you know? Haven't you heard the news about the company? Haven't you heard about this? Haven't you heard about that? You go, yeah, yeah, I've heard it. Oh, are you worried? What are we going to do, whatever, and that? We're going to trust God. We're going to ask God. He's an amazing God. If he closes a door, he'll open another. He's not surprised by any of this because he's all-knowing. That's the God that I serve. He's leading me. Just trust, amen? Can you hear? It's just so different. People are drawn to that. They go, listen, I'm having, I'm having a panic attack here. Please help me. Instead of as Christians, we come along and go, yeah, yeah, no, I also have panic attacks. I'm, yeah, because I'm a victim. I, I, you know, if you know what happened in my life, you would understand why I have panic attacks. Whew. I'm not trying to be heavy, church. I'm trying to get us to understand something. The way for me to release you from your panic attack is not to come and stand around you and cuddle you as a victim. I, I understand all of that. The way for me to do is step out of darkness into his marvelous light and realize that fear has no place in your life. He's not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And when I behold him, whatever, all fear goes. That's how I can be bold as a lion. Because when I know what God says about me, I'm so confident. Amen. Instead of wanting us to come into agreement here, let's step into this. Amen? Let's not align ourselves with that at all. It's not who we are. No, we're not that. And allow God to begin to work in us constantly live without a process. Because that's the danger too. Let me just encourage you all. The danger is, hey, I'm a work in process, brother. You want a heck of a work in process. It's been many, many years of this processing. It can give us an excuse to stay in the process. My Bible tells me, put off, put on. The only process is between my ears. If I can get the revelation in there, pull down the vain imaginations and the lofty thoughts that are raising themselves above the knowledge of God, I can come into line with who I really am. And I can begin to live with who I really am. And who I really am is Jesus Christ inside of me. Amen. And then circumstances and situations that will move when I speak. So that's our journey, not striving now. This isn't the thing where you go home and add on a whole bunch of stuff and now try and bite your loop to try and achieve this. No, believe this. 
So that's what we do. We, pray, we go into the presence of the Lord to help so that we believe it. Just come and do what you need to do. Shall we stand? Thank you, Jesus. You know, it's so hard to pray something when you've shared this kind of stuff. It actually, because we've, we've got so used to as but as believers and people of God that we we kind of, and it's not, we don't mean to, but it happens. We kind of live our life through the preacher or the teacher or the pastor or whatever. It's like, if I need healing and I come to the pastor, he prays for me, I get healing. If I'm having a battle in my life, I come to the pastor and he prays and and, and, and I feel peace and, and, and uh, you know, I, I need a decision in my life, I come to the pastor. And, and without us knowing it subtly, we, we actually have messed up the understanding that we go to Jesus. And, uh, and that's the first port of call. And then every single one of us has Jesus inside of us. So this is actually about all of us doing this together. So it's not about me calling you up front now, I'm going to lay hands. Having said that, we also understand that people are at different places and if you're still young in the Lord and you're needing uh, support and help that's beautiful if you and if you're old in the Lord you can be the support and help to others so and every everything in between so I just want I want to pray over us this morning just because I don't want us to just throw this out and go ah believe it or don't believe it or ah I want us to take it seriously because I want to say to you that we have this moment right now it's a matter of the heart and God is just wanting us to just search our hearts and let Him know our hearts. Because I want to encourage you that the heart is deceitful above all else. And the heart can pretend and make you think things. I'll share this to help you this morning. That when I was praying and just saying to the Lord, Lord, but you know I lead the church, I'm the pastor, my heart. Ooh, my heart's yours. And He said to me, okay, talk to me about Botswana. I said, What's a, what about Botswana? He says, no, well, when the people phone, when Dave and Liesl phone from Botswana, and they say, can you come to Botswana? What do you do, son? I said, okay, I'll get back to you, Dave and Liesl. Then I go and check the church bank account. Is there enough funds to go to Botswana? Can we, let me look and see what are the trends, and I'm sure that this time of the month will be fine because money will come in from the tithes and offerings. He says, why do you do that? I said, I don't know why. He says, because money is your master. Why don't you just come and ask me if I want you to go to Botswana? Friends, I haven't cried as much as I cried after that because my heart is deceitful. Our hearts, friends, can deceive us. Sometimes other things can be your master. Sometimes it can be your family, it can be your kids, it can be your job. He just wants to be master. He doesn't want perfection, he wants a yielded yes. A life that's just saying, God, you are my master. I'm petrified or I'm scared or Maybe today you're scared because there's things in your life that have a loud voice. And so they end up being master because they end up being the one that speaks. All I can ask you today is just take it all before the Lord. Just go into His presence and just say, God, help me. And His mercy comes. 
and His love comes and He divinely enables us to stand up and to be strong and to say, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my household, we will say yes to you, God, and ask you for grace and the divine enablement to handle whatever else may come our way. Because when you say yes to God, the rest that comes your way, you at least have God on your side. So Father, you're the one who tests the heart. You're the one who knows the motives of the heart. And one day you're coming back, Lord God, and all will be revealed. But we come before you as the people of God today, and we're just saying in this moment, Lord God, it's just a moment. This is not how you're supposed to live. You don't live introspectively and live all the time analyzing and looking. It's just a moment that God has been speaking, saying just for us to look at our hearts. Say, Lord, we don't want to stand before you one day and get a surprise, actually, what's in our hearts. We would rather want to be honest with you right now and say, God, help me in my heart. There's so many things, the way I think, so many things that have tried to challenge your bigness and your greatness and who you are, where to trust in you above some things, Lord God, is so hard for me. But today, I want to make that decision. I want to choose. Do you know that you can't rebuke a lie? You can only pull down a lie. So we pull down every vain imagination, every lofty thought that raises itself above the knowledge of God. This morning, as a people, as a family, wherever anything is trying to creep in, Lord, it's not the truth, it's a lie. I don't want to build my life around a lie. I don't want to establish my heart on a lie. Because when I stand before you, Lord God, my life cannot lie. That which I have believed, that which I have seen, and that which I have become will be revealed one day. And I want that to be you. I want my life to reveal Jesus. I want my life to display that I have seen Jesus. I have become like Jesus. He became my purpose. And He became my everything. So I pray for every single one of us today, Lord God. That all I can do is pray, Lord, that we would have a sailor moment where we just analyze and check that out. And ask that you would come and search our hearts and know our hearts. And I pray, Father, that we would choose option number three. Not to justify and find the theology or way of thinking or something that will fit into why I do what I do. Or, and not to give up, not to blame you or others or anyone, Lord God. But simply to be cut to the heart this morning and just to repent and say, God, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to change? What must I do to, to cause your life to flow? To surrender my heart and give it to you, Lord God, and say, thank you, Holy Spirit, 
that from this day forward, you are at work and I'm growing and I'm maturing in who I actually am as a son or daughter of God. And I pray, Lord God, that from this moment on, we begin to see the testimonies, Lord God, of lives changed, Lord God, that we no longer go to work just for work's sake, but we go to work to please God. We go to work to shine Jesus. We go to work to display the nature and the character of God so that people will come and be drawn and ask the questions. Why don't you get angry? Why does that not upset you? Why, why are you not panicking? How can you love that person? They, they said horrible things about you. you know, we can be the hands and feet and be Jesus and be a people that have met with you that meet with you and they constantly are in love with you and that we can be the demonstration and the church that you want to build called 24-7. It's not about a building, Lord God. It doesn't matter where the location is. It's the location of our hearts that matters before you, Lord God. And you always come and just want to make sure that we know that. So won't you come this morning? so that we can know that. Won't you come, Holy Spirit, and just do a work that we don't move on from this place and just carry on with life, but we just take a moment out. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, you love us so much. You love every single person here. They're your favorites. You love them too much to not Deal with our hearts. Because there's great things ahead. Because when we get a revelation in our hearts of who Jesus is and who He is inside of us, and that He is the preeminent one, and that if He says move or jump, things move and things jump. So if I say move and jump, things move and jump. God, there's great things in store for the people of God. Help us to build a house upon the rock. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I never like to close the meeting because I, I never want to be presumptuous of where Holy Spirit is ministering in every one of your hearts. I don't want you to shut down whatever God's doing. If you've got Holy Spirit's already worked in your heart, that's beautiful. So we're not going to shut the meeting. Please feel free to go if you need to go. If you need to go just to Hebrews, have some tea and coffee and fellowship and encourage one another. If you're needing prayer, please, nothing that I was saying this morning was to stop you from coming and having prayer. Just to stir up your heart. But if Holy Spirit's still working on your life, then please just stay and just linger and let Him finish the work that He was doing you know, lunch, meals, appointments can wait. But the heart, when surgery is happening, it's not good to climb off the surgeon's table in the middle of an operation. Uh, generally, it doesn't have good results. So it's just my encouragement, church. If God is ministering or working on your heart, just let him finish that. Otherwise, if you do need to go, I love you, appreciate you. I'm in the front of you.